Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. Big Dave here with another edition of Poker Action Line. Looking forward to tonight's show. Uh, We've been uh, really just planning it for a short period of time, but uh, I'll be honest, I've wanted to have uh, our guest on tonight for about a year since I first heard about her efforts to putting uh, together a great film about women in poker called Poker Queens. Uh, We talked a little bit about it last summer, so we'll get to all the aspects of of how it fell together. But her name is uh, Sandra Moore, and... uh, you may know her a little better as Sia Leta, as uh, I just figured out that pun last night, uh, Sandra. I was in bed thinking about the show, and I said, do I know how to pronounce her name? And, of course, I, I saw the movie, and uh, that put it together. And all of a sudden, I said, Sia Leta. Sia Leta. Oh, okay, I get it. Tell me how you came up with that, first of all. Well, there's this, uh, thank you for having me on, by the way. I really like the show and I really appreciate, you know, you, you, the work that you're doing to help women in poker and try to attract more women to the game. It's just great. Um, the, what happened was I knew I wanted to write the book under a pen name because in Black Widow Poker, the book I wrote about two years ago, um, my goal was to do a social experiment where I played as a man and also played as a woman. So I had a professional makeup artist turn me into a man, and I played as a man, and I wrote about the differences. And, of course, I wanted to be anonymous, you know, to try to keep my identity secret. And there's this, um, there's this pop artist named Sia, and she's kind of famous for the fact that for most of the beginning of her career, which was, you know, wildly successful, she actually would cover her entire face with hair or with whatever it was so that nobody knew what she looked like because she didn't want all the trappings that came with fame. I guess the, the more negative side of those trappings. So she would even sometimes send somebody else in her place to go receive an award as wow. Sia. And wow. it was just really interesting, I thought, the way she did that and kept her anonymity. And so that's how I came up with the first Sia. And then last night you figured out the last. So I, I guess uh, Sia is somewhat uh, comparable to uh, Billie Eilish, the newest star on the scene, uh, and the, the fact that she wears all the baggy clothes and everything. I love Billie Eilish. She might be my favorite artist of the year. Let's go back to uh, Black Widow, the book, which is really kind of your your first spot on the scene, basically. And it's uh, called Black Widow Poker, uh, A Woman's Guide to Winning a Man's Game. came out in 2018, and uh, you wrote it under the pen name, Sia Leita, and... uh, it was a it was a pretty solid hit. A lot of people really enjoyed the book. And uh, tell me how you got the book published and uh, what the process was doing that. Well, if anybody ever wanted to write a book, this is going to be great to hear what I'm about to tell you. Which is um, the first thing I did is when I once I decided I wanted to write a book, which I've been part of writing books in the past. And when you know at my age, writing books over the last 15 years that process has changed a lot. There are so many tools now that we can use to make the process easier, including the ability to self-publish. In the past, all the books that I had helped out on were published by Simon & Schuster or whatever, you know, different publishing house. And that can be its own can of worms. But to have the complete autonomy and ability to just write whatever you wanted, have an editor look at it, and then self-publish to Amazon 
um, was a really exciting experience for me and, and made the process really fun and easy. The second thing was is that um, what I would do, I, I had a friend who wanted to write a book, and she was just dying to write, and she took a year off of work to do so, and I, she wasn't getting there. And I said, okay, Susan, here's what we'll do. We'll each write 500 words a day, and at this point, I really didn't know about if I was going to write a book. I just wanted to inspire her. So I will each write 500 words a day, and we'll check in with each other so we're accountable. And each day you text me, I wrote my 500 words, and I'll, I'll text you vice versa. So as time went on, I kept texting her. I'm, I've written my 500 words. I've written my 500 words. And she hadn't, and, and she, after a while, just kind of dropped off. But next thing you know, three months later, I had a book. <laughs> and so the great thing that was so easy for me, this is the other tool that has been made, made it so easy, was that um, on Google, there is actually an app, and many people have access to apps like this, where you can actually convert speech into text. So you can speak right into, you've seen people do this with texting. They'll say, right, right. They'll say hi, Dave, comma, how are you doing today, question mark. And so that's how I wrote the book, it was with speech to text, and then went through and you know did the editing 17,000 times. So it was a great process. It was really fun. It was cathartic because each day, you know, something would happen in poker, and it would revive, you know, whatever feelings I had about, gender at the table or, you know, my own play or what I could have done better. And so it ended up being uh, really great on a lot of different levels. So you wanted to encourage women to play poker. Um, it, the book was well-received because a lot of people felt like, although it was wit written for a woman or women players, uh, there were lots of uh, learning uh, opportunities for men who play the game. Uh, when did you decide, okay, I did that. Let's move it. Let's move on. Let's do a movie. Well, originally, you know, for the last 25 years, I've been a, a director and editor. I've directed TV shows that are still on every Saturday night. And I uh, was, you know, uh, went to college to be a film editor. So I was used to making my living creating uh, movies. And so for me, the natural next step, I don't really even consider myself an author. Um, I'm primarily a filmmaker. So my next step was, wow, well, I love poker so much, and these women are so cool. You know, Jennifer Harmon, Jennifer Tilly, Liv Burie, Kelly Minkin. How in the world could I ever do something that not only highlighted how amazing they are, but gave me the opportunity just to get close to this greatness? Because I just right, fell right. in love with poker, and then, you know, there, here were my idols, and how could, how could it be a win-win situation? So for me, it was very natural to go to the next step, which was filmmaking. So obviously you had the room at the World Series of Poker last summer. Uh, you uh, basically created like a little haven for uh, the women to come when they were not playing at the felt and kind of relax and enjoy themselves. So that instilled some goodwill right off the bat. But you said there were several of the women that uh, heard about it and actually kind of approached you like they were interested in being in the film. Yeah, well, what happened was, I mean, obviously I wanted to, what the process was, was I was going to have this big place we called the Poker Palace. Not only was it a, a huge room with a huge master, but it also had adjacent rooms attached to it. You know how they can link them one by one. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to have a place where women could come if they wanted to stay a couple nights or if they wanted to just rest or come up and have some soup or grab a few granola bars and an energy drink and so originally, I thought that would just be really a fun opportunity to be able to shoot if that was possible when they came up and that kind of thing and kind of create this environment that was 
maybe going to have a lot of traffic coming and going and just kind of giving some realism to the whole experience of being at the at the World Series of Poker. So, yeah, they did. A lot of people did come up. We had free massages, free chiropractic treatments, which, you know, with playing poker, how important those can be. And uh, we even had a couple speakers, and it was a lot of fun. Um, most of the women I found, though, the women that are featured in the film who are highly successful, they were very busy. I mean, Lonnie Harwood alone, who is probably one of my favorite poker players, she showed me her schedule, and it was a handwritten printer page covered on two sides with a flow chart of how it would go, how she would start her day at this tournament, and if she busted, she would go to this tournament, and if she busted that, she would go to this place. And it was just this whole flow chart of, like, maybe 300 tournaments. So she... um you know, she, like so many of the women in the movie, were very busy. So they did stop by, and I did have people come up and, you know, chill out and do things like that. And But uh, it didn't end up needing all the room that we, we ended up holding there. But the good thing was, like you said, being at the Rio, it was so easy for Lonnie to go downstairs to a friend of hers, Esther Taylor, otherwise known as Ite, and say, hey, Ite, you want to go up and do an interview for this great documentary? And Ite called me up. Hey, I'm right downstairs. Great. Three minutes later, we're shooting with Ite. So, wow. Well, speaking speaking of the schedule for Lonnie, she always has to fit in a, a visit to the rail of her boyfriend Phil Huey, who is uh, who had one of his great summers last year. It was so great too, because in the movie, um, she mentioned, and we see this on camera. She mentioned, "Oh, you know, my my boyfriend's my inspiration, and he's actually downstairs at the." I think it was $50,000 tournament. And, you know, it was so fun to see uh, that turn into just this moment that she was having to, we actually have footage of her railing him and going down there and grabbing footage of that. But unfortunately you have to be careful what you use in these public environments um, in a movie. But then, yeah, at the end we kind of like, you know, uh, not to give a spoiler alert, but obviously everybody knows we mentioned too, that they right after his huge win where he won more than a million dollars, uh, they actually announced that they were engaged right after, yeah. which was such a cool ending. Absolutely. I want to take a minute to go back to the kind of the backbone of the story, which is you planning on uh, entering these tournaments, playing as a man. Of course, we'll get momentarily into the fact that the World Series of Poker didn't take so kindly to that. But let's start about how you uh, got into that first. How many kind of, how many tournaments did you play? As a man, they showed the whole makeup setup, which was great. Uh, you looked very much like a man, but I guess you always had to be careful, maybe not talk too much. Uh, your behavior at the table, hey, you had to be careful with that, right? Yeah, and I, I definitely learned to speak very little and to gesture even sometimes when I wanted to raise. And you know, poker is one of the wonderful thing about things about poker, and we kind of go over this in the movie a little bit, is that anybody can play. People that are handicapped can play. People that, you know, can't speak can play. And so for me to indicate that I didn't want to speak too much was completely accepted immediately because all kinds can sit at the poker table. So there were a lot of times when I would look at the dealer, I would hold up two fingers and then I would put the chips in and she'd be like, raise 2000, (laughs) you know, I would just, you know, kind of indicate like that. But I would try not to also not to converse too much with, it was, it was difficult. Sometimes I would get next to a real chatty guy. Very rarely though, because what I found playing as a man is that men do not talk amongst themselves the way women do. And they don't even talk about amongst themselves as much as they do when a woman's present at the table. So there were big differences that way. But, yeah, we try not to speak too much. And to answer your question, I've played 
hundreds of tournaments um, hundreds. I did as a man. Yeah, but you know what? We're also combining online because I played online right. quite a bit as a man. So, um, what was your I got avatar? doing my own makeup. What was your online avatar? Um, well, in the movie, I kind of go over that I picked a, a gentleman named Spider. John. <laughs> no, I would just use this face, uh, Facebook picture from um, that I had. It was just a stock image, of, and I called myself John from San Diego. So that's how I did it online. And then as far as um, playing in person, I got pretty good at doing my own makeup in my RV because I was going tournament to tournament in a motorhome. So I was able to, you know, have a full bathroom and everything where I could put on my beard and everything, and even go to the bathroom on breaks and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. We're talking with Sandra Moore, the director of Poker Queens, which just came out in March and is available on Amazon Prime. So check that out. I uh, I went on there and I saw you could rent it for two ninety nine or you could buy it for seven ninety nine. I went ahead and bought it because I know I'm probably going to watch it several times. Anyway, uh, you are it's Sandra also- Moore, the director. Let me just ask you this real quick uh, because the big question in my mind was after watching the film was. When you play poker on screen in the movie with long blonde hair as Cialeta, uh, when you're in makeup, you play as Sam, and then you, of course, in the film as the director answering questions and this, this sort of thing as Sandra Moore. So the question to me <laughs> is, does Sandra Moore play poker? I'm the original, what do they call it, OG? <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I love poker. I only discovered poker probably four years ago or three and a half years ago, but I just fell in love with it. And just, it's just one of those things. And, you know, it's so weird too. You go through life and you have a career and you have hobbies, you know, and different interests and you go through your bar phase and you're dancing all the time. And then you go through your maybe musical phase or whatever it is where you learn an instrument. But I thought my hobbies were over and I discovered poker and it lit me up completely. I fell in love. I, I was so in love with poker that I would literally put on earphones and listen to poker um, podcasts like yours to inspire me to go running. Like that would inspire me to go running because I would have something that good to listen to. And that's what I would do to get my tennis shoes on and get out and run. So that's, you know, that's definitely uh, the director, definitely myself, loved, uh, loves poker. So when you show up at the table, do you ever show up in the business suit, or do you actually dress up with a blonde wig and the blue jeans and the and the, the black widow hat uh, to <laughs> yeah. play poker? Can you ever go as Sandra Moore and play uh, as the businesswoman? I always play as myself, almost okay. always. Okay. Yeah. I, I figured Which that is, was the case, but yeah, yeah. So and that works too. Actually, it depends. You know. Um, I call that the Rachel Maddow version of me. <laughs> and that <laughs> that version is pretty good too at the table because the guys are not not necessarily like attracted, but they're not necessarily thinking that you're just a pushover. So it's kind of a nice little combination. Well, not to divulge my politics, but I'm a huge Rachel Maddow fan, so uh, that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, let's. Uh... Let's move on to uh, getting the movie produced. Uh, you do appear in the film when you're playing at the table. You do are dressed up with the blonde hair and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I guess that's just to kind of demonstrate to people that, uh, you know, there is there are different characters, and you I- explored that completely in all your play. Yeah, and I explored all the different versions of playing as a man, I mean as a woman, and then, you know, dipped my toe in playing as a man. 
I mean, the movie itself, originally, I'll be honest with you, Dave, it was not supposed to really have my story in it. I didn't originally think that this was how the movie was going to go. I originally thought that, you know, the people that are in the movie, and this movie, by the way, internationally, if you can't see it on Amazon, you can see it on Vimeo. Um, Poker Queens has Jennifer Tilly, Kristen Bicknell, Jennifer Harmon, Daniel Negreanu, because we have some guys way in too, Liv Bury, Lonnie Harwood, Kelly Minkin, Jillian Epp, Kathy Liebert, Esther Taylor, as I said, Angelica Hale from the WPT. Who's great, Linda by Johnson. the way. Yeah. I love her. Uh, Jan Fisher, um, Christy Arnett, and Wino Poker, and Kayla, uh, Lexi Gavin. Musk- it, there's so many. I mean, even Ryan DePaulo is in the movie. <laughs> so Joey Ingram has a little spot in the movie. Elliot Rowe, the big mind coach, and Steve Blay. So the original process was, I thought, I thought as a filmmaker, this is going to be so easy because everybody who plays poker loves women and especially women in poker. I mean, the the community just loves these people. And then number two, wow, it's going to be so easy to raise money for this because gosh, you know, what WSOP, WPT, all these places definitely would want to support something like this because they want to see more women in poker. So it originally started that way. And as you watch the movie, you see how things sort of, start to go sideways. And next thing you know, as a filmmaker, I kind of have to just follow the dock where it, it wants to take me. And at a certain point, I realized you have to put your own story in here about dressing as a man to give this some cohesion because things didn't just map out the way you expected. So that's why my story's in there in the first place. I'm, I was kind of surprised. And to this day, I, I, I see the movie poster and I'm like, what? <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Uh, the, the the article that I mentioned to you before we went on the air was uh, written by Earl Burton on uh, Poker News Daily, and it's called Poker Queens at its best when it leaves the tracks, and that's exactly the kind of thing you're talking about. But I think it has a great value as kind of a uh, you know a timepiece about the women in poker and what's happening right now. We'll go back years from now and see some of these women when they were on the way up. And uh, it creates a little bit of a historical aspect to the game, which I think is fantastic. Uh, Later on, we get into the story of you trying to play as a man at the table, which I want to get to after our first break. Uh, Can you hang on for a few more minutes and we'll get to that? Of course. I'm here. Okay. We're talking with Sandra Moore, the director and probably uh, jack of all trades, I guess we would say, on this movie. You did a lot of work on a lot of different things and also known as Sia Leita as a player online or just simply the Black Widow. But uh, all three of those are joining me tonight on the show. And let's take this break. We'll be back with more when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We hope you'll stick around. Having a good time with Sandra Moore. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach. But what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky. The eaters of men. 
cannibals. Firelight glistened on their royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran, his canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Yard Council. I'm pretty Show, Big Dave Lemon. Uh, Joe's going to join us a little later in the show when we get to some other poker news, but my guest is Sandra Moore. He's going to join us for a few more minutes here uh, to talk about Poker Queens, which came out in March. I guess uh, the question there is you had hoped to have it out in November, and for people who are involved in the film industry, there's so many things that can happen. Uh, did you run into a problem that made you think, wow, are we ever going to get this thing on, on track? Yeah, we did. We had um, we had some major poker organizations really, really uh, come down hard on on us for they didn't want the use of their logo, and and they were just wanting to make sure that they got paid a lot of money per every second of, mm. of footage that we used and things like that. So we did have to go through a long process of having several attorneys um, look over the entire movie and approve and make arguments for each clip that's used, and then also had to buy enormously expensive insurance called E&O insurance that you get for a film. Something I don't usually have to come into contact with, but we wanted to make sure we were protected before the movie went out. And then also the added benefit was that we wanted the movie to have a 2020 date because 2019 already sounds so last decade, and we wanted the movie to have a whole year of being sort of this current release, you know, and little things like that make a difference. So that's that we decided to move it to a little bit, a little bit later. Well, there's always roadblocks and hurdles in the way when you're putting together a film. Uh, sounds like uh, uh, you were able to negotiate it pretty well. How about all that opening, uh, those opening sequences with some of the past champions? Uh, were you able to get some of that without having to pay too much for it? Yeah, everything worked out perfectly at the end. Um, we were able to get it legally and be able to use it legally. And, um, you know, and e- even so, you know, the funny thing is, is that most people, and I know this from being in the film business for so many years, most people set out to do a documentary and then you check on them like three years later and they're like, yeah, we're, we're almost wrapping up. I mean, we started this documentary in January of last year, of last year. So it's been a year and maybe two months from time of, uh, you know, kind of conceiving of it to shooting it and editing it and producing it and putting it out. So in one year's time, that's still generally, you know, kind of looked upon as being very quick. And so even with the delays, um, it was a quick turnaround. And we were able to get, like, as I said, all the all the footage in there, we were able to get legal opinions for everything and make sure that we were insured on the movie. Well, it's a great film. Uh, I highly recommend everybody check it out, and at the end of the show, we'll, uh, we'll go over again uh, how people can find the film. Uh, but let's get, to, let's get this one out of the way. Uh, when we talk about hurdles and roadblocks, you actually go into it a little bit on, in the film 
that you had major plans for uh, a female poker player to be on the mo- be in the movie, and it didn't work out. She didn't want to be on for one reason or another. Uh, you said she wasn't the only one. You ran into some uh, problems with uh, the organization of the World Series of Poker, but this seemed to be even worse for you and your thoughts of how you were going to put together the film. Well, I think yes, it was it was perplexing to me in a sense because I felt like the the mission of the film was to sort of glorify these women and right. sort of just hold them up and just be like, wow, you know, just respect their awesome, you know, presence in the poker world and how talented they are. And so when I came across um resistance, which you you know, that's fine. People can choose not to be in a documentary, but resistance that was very strong, I was like, wow, what what what's this about? And, you know, it's funny, like looking back at it, I think that there's a possibility that what makes a good poker player is what also caused me some of the problems in some of the characters that I came across. Mm, Now, mm, when we sit down at a poker, yeah, we sit down at a poker table. Our mission is to make sure we're taking from the other people. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but that's the goal. Try to take the chips. And it's also to be very suspect. What are they trying to pull over on me? How are they going to exploit me? What are they trying to bluff? You know, uh, what kind of situation am I getting trapped into? You know, that suspicion is a big part, too. So I think some of those traits that made some of these women great poker players also made them, you know, very much like, what do I get? And, you know, what are you trying to pull over on me? Those kind of things came through in this, even though my, you know, my vision was altruistic. Well, no one knows that better than me as a longtime poker media person. Uh, I can't understand why people would turn down an interview. Uh, they may not be comfortable seeing that microphone in front of their face or a camera or that sort of thing, and I certainly understand that. But uh, when I know I'm going into it, looking to show them in such a positive light that it's going to be great for them. They're going to be able to show it to all their friends. They're going to enjoy the promotion it gives their careers. And for them to say no is just like, uh, man, I just cannot believe it. <laughs> it. And also, too, here's another thing. With poker players, oh, my gosh, you you probably come across this. The scheduling is tough. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you have to, like, really, like, expect. I, I remember going to one poker player's house in Los Angeles and – I had to drive two hours just to get halfway there. And as I was halfway there, I, I, I perfectly understood in my mind that there was a good chance that I was going to get a text at any minute canceling. And that's just the way it is with poker yeah. players. You know, you don't know until you're actually doing it that it's actually going to happen. Not only that, but when you're at a poker tournament, really the only chance you have is to catch them on a short break where they're headed for the bathroom or they need to get something to eat if it's a little longer break or right after they get knocked out of the tournament when they're in a very angry mood. And, uh, you know, I have to try to deal with that. Some people are better at handling that than others, but uh, uh, that's one of the toughest things of being a poker uh, meaty person. Right. So you spend time at the tournaments and sometimes gather some of your content right there? Usually I do. Being in South Florida, obviously we have the huge tournaments there at the at the uh, Seminole Hard Rock, and and I do travel around the country. I've been to the World Series of Poker three times, and and uh, I have talked with a good, like as I mentioned to you before the show, a good number of these uh, women on the show, and they're a lot of my favorites too. Uh, uh, really uh, love Lonnie Harwood and Kelly Mink, and uh, Lexi Gavin is a real character. Uh, didn't see uh, Jessica Dolly, who uh, I know very well, but uh, oh, there's a few probably that you wanted to have but couldn't. 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. You can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, and but where do you stop, too? You know, there's just so many great players. And even people like, you know, um, Lily Coletto. I just like these women players. I think they're really yeah. badass, and I would have loved to have them in there. But, yeah, at the same time, you don't want to make a documentary that's sort of exhausting. It has to have color, and it has to have different types of images other than just people speaking. And, you know, so you have to kind of get creative to make people – documentaries are not easy to for most people to enjoy. And I mean, a lot of times documentaries, people always say, oh, they're boring. So, yeah, trying to always, you know, in fact, interesting thing about Poker Queens is I knew that it would be a predominantly male audience if the poker community embraced it. And so I was like, how do I, how do I do this? How do I have guys be interested in what these women are saying and keep them going through the whole film? And so it's kind of interesting if you ever want to look at the movie again, many, many shots in the movie um, have beautiful women superimposed on a very light level into the screen. Mm -hmm. So you almost on a subliminal level would only see it. It's almost like, um, yeah, it's just hidden sort of. It almost looks like smoke going by, but it's actually a woman's hip, you know, and it's just like, I did a lot of that to try to help, you know, and I also had some car crashes. I tried to, you know, spice it up for the guys. Well, let me t let me let me tell you, I'm going to be watching it many times. Believe me, I will watch it, uh, and and not only just for the women. I mean, uh, obviously that's a that's a selfish uh, motive on my part. But uh, let's be honest, the the photography and the shots of Vegas, the skyline, and the and the what I assume are some drone shots or or, or airplane shots, just make this film beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You know, and, and just the, the fact that there's been a positive response was beyond my wildest hope. So if Poker Queens is seen by people and they enjoy it, that's just, I, I'm so, I'm above, I'm over the moon about that. Well, we are starting to wind down here. I don't want to keep you all night long, but I do want to get to one of the main issues, and that is the fact that your original goal of playing in the World Series of Poker main event as a man was going to contribute uh, to the storyline, and they basically put up a brick wall, the World Series of Poker, and threatened lawsuits, threatened the fact that you would be disqualified from the tournament, lose your $10,000. Uh, how did you deal with that? And tell me uh, kind of how that went down. Yeah, well, I I had better luck playing as a man, both online and live. And I, I noticed that I was able to play a more traditional poker game with traditional strategy. As a woman, sometimes we can have, and you see in the, there's so much in the movie that I didn't put in there, but women talk all the time about the fact that you can raise a guy and he just doesn't want to, fold to you because a lot of times some of these men, some men, not all men at all, they, they have a problem. They're like, Hey, you know what? I'm not folding. <laughs> and so, you know, as a man I could raise and the reaction would be like, Oh, dude has cards. Dude has cards. You know, that would be the reaction instead of this charge reaction from some men. And so I thought, wow, you know what? I want to play the world series of poker in disguise to give me the best edge because I was winning, you know, several times more often as a man. And so I decided to, and I'm sure there would be a lot of debate around this, but I can only tell you what my experience was. And I am not a great poker player. I'm not a professional poker player. A lot of people think I, I mean, I play poker more than anything else, but professionals are like, you know, these are Jennifer Harmon is a professional. I wouldn't put myself under her shoe, you know? So um, I, I decided I wanted to try to give myself the best edge at the World Series of Poker. 
And when I wrote Black Widow Poker, I mentioned in the last line of the book, I said, I'm going to go play the World Series of Poker. I might be showing up as myself or I might be showing up as Sam, my, the male version of me. And that got out. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> this became like a story in poker news. And I was on my way to Las Vegas and listening to a podcast, and I heard the guy on the radio say, we're here with the vice president of WSOP, and here he has a take on this woman that wants to dress as a man. And basically, he made it very clear, and they made it very clear that they would definitely take my $10,000 entry and throw me out of the, the tournament if they caught me, which, of course, they would, because yeah, it wouldn't I take would... much to find I was going to say, uh, you know, although you do look like a man in the movie, when you dress up, uh, somewhat, I'll say, uh, it's not perfect. <laughs> and I kind of right. wondered if you ever got to the point where you push things to the fact where you started acting like a man and maybe tried to uh, needle somebody, get under their skin uh, as a man and have them, you know, out you right away. I'm not sure what you mean. Do you mean at the table? At the table, would you ever, as you're playing as a man, try to use some of the tricks that men use against other men or other women or anybody and just be super aggressive and, and nasty yeah. at times? Right. Well, you know, sadly, because I, you know, because I do have a, uh, you know, uh, I'm a woman, it was difficult to, it's weird, Dave. Honestly, I would walk through the halls and I almost felt like even my pheromones could give me away. Yeah, I really felt like like I didn't feel like I could walk up to a woman and like flirt with her. That would just never fly because I just knew first I just look kind of weird. And also it's just there's something about women that's different. And they can only tell you that from dressing as both. But um, no, I never got super alpha at the table. But I did do some things like I would try to be tough a little bit like as a woman, you know, I would give my tournament ticket to the dealer, face it the right way so it was easy for them to see. And as a dude, I just like crumple it up and throw it at them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, could, there were little things I did. I could hear you trying to growl at somebody, and then all of a sudden they just get it and start laughing at you. Yeah, yeah. Well, one time I remember <laughs> – yeah, exactly. I remember one time, uh, you know, they were going around the table, and I, I guess I lost, you know, I, I lost track of time. I was looking at something on my phone or something, and someone said, excuse me, sir, can you go? And I went, oh, sorry, like that in a high voice. I go, oh, sorry, because <laughs> I'd been holding up the game. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, boy, boy. You have How to be careful. Then you have to slink away from the table, uh, put your hoodie over your head. Uh, going back to the World Series of Poker, just real quick, do you hold that against them still? Yes. I do. <laughs> I mean, I get to here and be politically correct, but the truth is I, I don't think it's fair that I can put shadow around my eyes, but I can't put shadow around my chin. And I don't think it's fair that if I was a man and I showed up in a beard, but I shaved that beard two days into the tournament, I would not be penalized, but I would look entirely different. And I don't think it's fair that I can play as a woman dressed in that blonde wig and a hat and look completely different than myself, but I can't dress as a man and look completely different. So I, I kind of do think that there's something that could be better there. But I did check with several attorneys, and, you know, it's a private event, and there's just really nothing you can do about that. Yeah, you had no case, basically, to come against them, huh? Yeah, it seemed like there, there just really wasn't a foothold, even though every attorney was like, I mean, the last one I talked to, he said, I'm going to tell you something. This makes me mad. 
but I just don't think there's anything we can do about it. And so, you know, that's just the way it is. Now, the World Series of Poker, it's sort of like a parent. You know, you can be mad at your mom or dad, but deep down you love them. (laughs) And I think, you know, there's a part of me, how can I not love the World Series of Poker? In fact, the movie is an homage to them in a way. Um, So, you know, yeah, I do hold it against them a little bit. I think they could have maybe, I don't know, I I just think it could have been a little bit easier. But um, on the other hand, you know, it, they had to do what they had to do. I'm kind of yeah. curious why they haven't officially commented on the film. Not to have the corona, you know, the coronavirus. I'm kind of surprised they haven't officially decided to close that. Oh, I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, we know that in the sports world, uh, all the major sports have been canceled uh, or postponed, whatever. We'll see what happens uh, as we move into the summer. But Wimbledon has been canceled. Uh, the British Open was canceled yesterday. Uh, major golf tournaments have been uh, cut off. And people are wondering what's going to happen. Shouldn't we have some news on this? We're only seven weeks away from the start of the World Series of Poker. But they seem to be holding fast and firm that they want to still have it. Uh, mm-hmm. I find hard to believe that they possibly could do it. Uh, you can't imagine uh, the amount of germs, well you can't imagine, but uh, the amount of germs spread around a poker table and to have uh, 100 poker tables in a single room is just kind of crazy to think that they could actually survive this, but again, uh, I think the West Coast look outside of Los Angeles and Seattle is that you know maybe this thing is not going to make it across the country and affect them as badly as it has New York. Yeah, I mean, just look at the streets of Las Vegas and really, do you think that's true? You know, it, it could be cleared up today. They could literally start opening things and letting people work starting today. And would it really be safe to put people in that situation? I'm not sure. No. Also, it's like, you know, the Commerce Casino, which we have out in, in Los Angeles here, they, um, you know, they've done these amazing things. They closed their doors and then they just started donating their food, donating their bathroom tissue, you know, all these things that make me think of Commerce Casino and go, damn, you guys are amazing. And, you know, this could have been an opportunity, I think, for the same thing, um, rather than, well, we're going to wait until the last minute where people, you know, they have travel plans they have to make. And here's the other thing that bothers me about it. It's that degenerate gamblers like myself, (laughs) who love to play poker no matter what, you know, I say degenerate gamblers in an affectionate way. I don't of consider course, myself that. But, yeah. But, you know, people like myself that would just find it irresistible to play poker if it were offered to us are going to show up, danger or no danger. And that, to me, seems a little bit – just wondering who the adult in the room is for that, too. Yeah. One of, the, one of my final questions here is how the virus is affecting uh, – now your health personally, obviously we hope you don't get it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of places over uh, in different areas. But uh, how does it affect the film coming out? I mean, there could be one good aspect being people are home looking for things to do and may uh, be much more likely to find this podcast, find out the film and, and, and go ahead and rent it or buy it. Uh, or uh, people could turn their thoughts away from poker. How do you think it's affecting the poker world uh, in the long run, and especially women? Is this going to kind of slow the uh, the upward climb of women in this game? Well, I think the question about the film industry is that, you know, it has been good for movies. There's no denying that. Um, people that want to watch a movie about poker especially because there's so few, there's so little content out there. And so it has been good for that. Um, it's funny because of all the delays that happened and everything, I felt so aggravated and upset about it. But at the same time, 
everything happens the way it's supposed to. And now the movie is actually on Amazon and Vimeo in a place where these people who might never be home, who might always be in the casino, are going to have the opportunity to see it or, you know, great. Uh, I'd be grateful for them to rent it or whatever. And so that's been good. Um, of course, making a living in the film business is completely shut down. Now, as far as women in the future and playing poker, um, you know, you know casinos and, and this may change everything we know. This might change everything. The other day I was watching this movie about basically kind of like half, hybrid zombies, half zombie, half people. And it, the whole movie starts out like this. <laughs> and it's just creeping me out. <laughs> but it just creeps me out exactly. First of all, you have the virus. Then you have the people in government saying, oh, it's no big deal. Go ahead and, you know, like in Jaws, go ahead and go to the beach and swim in the water. It's fine. <laughs> we don't want to mess up the economy of our tourism. Yeah. And then, you know, next thing you know, something gets worse and worse and worse. I mean, we're all quarantined at home. I've been at home for almost a month. This is weird. Yeah. So I don't know that anything, including poker, will be the same after this. But I do hope more women are going to show up. Well, we'd love to have you on again in a few months when the film's been out for a while. It's only been out, I guess, about two, three weeks. Uh, so uh, initial reaction, I guess, is pretty good. Uh, you mentioned Amazon Prime. And this is the one thing I learned is I thought I would have to buy a subscription to Amazon Prime, which I don't really need or have the time for. And I realized that I could just go on there and I could I could get the film uh, individually, which is great to know. Uh, you also mentioned Vimeo. How does that work for people? Same thing, Vimeo.com, search the word poker. You'll, you'll find the movie on, on demand. Uh, it's cheaper at Vimeo. Um, and we did that because so many people internationally would be watching it, and frankly, in economies that are not as strong as the U.S. So um, we did do that. And, yeah, I really appreciate you having me, and I hope you stay well and safe. And, you know, thank you for the great work that you're doing. Well, same here. Thanks for following us and alerting us to uh, the movie coming out because I knew it was it was coming out. And then uh, all of a sudden here I see uh, a couple of tweets and and uh, we're able to get this on to talk about it. Uh, great women in poker. Uh, my favorites, uh, Linda Johnson and Jan Fisher are in the film. Uh, some of the great players of the game. So it's a historical record of women in poker and also gives you an interesting sidelight into how you have approached the game. And, uh, you know. Hey, may, maybe try it again somewhere down the road, huh? Yeah, definitely. Things might change. Put so, out that hey, fear you know what? And, one uh, good thing. Yeah, it, one thing, too, I, I was really excited about, like, if the WSOP happened and if people were allowed to wear masks and gloves, I put a little hair on that mask and I'm all in with that. As that. <laughs> Make it easier not to get caught, right? <laughs> Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Sandra Moore, our guest, the director of Poker Queens. Check it out on either Vimeo or on Amazon Prime. Uh, see you later. We'll see you later. All right. Have a great one. Thanks. Sandra Moore, our guest, the director of Poker Queens, and uh, highly recommend you checking out this film. Uh, you know, obviously, Joe and I are both big fans of women in poker and continue over the years to try to encourage them to play. So this is a huge step in that direction, and we hope you'll check it out. Let's take a break. We'll get Joe on the line, and we'll... Uh, Talk about some other things having to do with the world of poker as we finish up tonight on this edition of Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. 
This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon and uh, Joe Rodriguez joining me here back on the show. Uh, great interview. If you enjoyed that even a fraction as much as I did, then I'm sure that uh, it's going to make your week for sure. But uh, we had some fun talking with Sandra Moore and uh, her uh, co-conspirator, Cialeta, who is her uh, card-playing persona, and also Sam, who she sometimes plays as dressing up uh, at the card table as a male player. But uh, that was a lot of fun. Poker Queens is the movie, and we hope you'll check that out. But let's bring Joe back in. Uh, Joe, I hope you're feeling well and uh, uh, have no uh, health problems in this time. Uh, thanks for being uh, on the show again. Well, big day. Joe, how are you guys doing over there? Um, I'm fine. Thank you for asking. Uh, uh, actually got in, got in a few days at work, including earlier today at the, at the casino, just touching up with some of our guests and, um, thank God everybody here in my house is fine. I'm hoping the same is true for both of you guys. Absolutely. Uh, let's get to the World Series of Poker uh, decision, which has not come out yet. This is pretty amazing to me. We talked about it on the show a little bit with Sandra. But uh, as of last Friday, April the 3rd, there's been no decision. And the interview on Friday was uh, done with Card Player Magazine. And that was published last week. And basically... Uh, goes to, to say that uh, no decision has been made and that as of right now, the tournament is still on, and I think they're holding tight. Uh, one of the things that Seth Polanski, uh, in his conversation with Eric Fast, mentions is that there's 2,000 people that work the World Series of Poker, not just the poker dealers, but all the people surrounding the tournament, and uh, they will take a big hit if eight weeks uh, of tournament play is canceled. Yeah, well, the <laughs> How about the poker world taking a big hit if a lot of people get the COVID-19 and, God forbid, a, a, a large number pass away from it? 
Um, yeah. I don't know, Dave. This is something. I, we understand this. But right now, you know, uh, airlines aren't flying anywhere. There's nothing in Vegas. You know, uh, the longer they wait to make a decision on this. Now, granted, I'm sure they're waiting because the president said he wanted everything up by Easter. Remember when he said those words? And, <laughs> you know. I think they're waiting to see about the middle of this month, maybe no later than the 20th, to see if the if that you know if that scale starts uh, trending downwards. Yeah, if the uh, tournament was scheduled for the end of April instead of the end of May, I think that they would be have made the decision by now. But they're doing everything they can to hold out. They want to have the tournament. Uh, obviously, this is the huge part of most players' year, and uh, not to mention the Caesars and the whole company. Um, want to make a tremendous amount of money which they always do so they'll st- they'll hang out till the very end and they say yeah. that they probably not uh, make any decisions until early may and, and i could understand that but now dave uh you know I, it was a discussion i had with our with our boss from before there dave i'm thinking you know uh, down here they they had restrictions of large gatherings of no more than 250 people you have a don't you have a feeling that even when we start easing back into this, the uneasiness that people are going to have that they're going to limit some places like that, maybe not 250, but, you know, especially with the big casinos out there in Vegas, but uh, they're going to, my guess is they're going to have to limit the amount of people that can congregate in one area, which would put a a damper on, on the situation as it is. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it, it will be a miracle if they get this thing off. But I can understand them waiting and and uh, you know giving it every chance to somehow subside. Uh, they did uh, have a very successful series online. The uh, WSOP Circuit event online turned into the WSOP Super Circuit online series, and they tripled. Their guarantees for the whole series, there was such a strong turnout, and it was a huge success. So it's not like uh, the WSOB brand has taken a big hit so far, but eventually they'll have to uh, listen to some of the uh, wiser players in poker like Daniel Negreanu and those who have uh, begged them to call it off. Well, and not only that, uh, Big Dave, think about the people, you know, that granted, you know, the, the wonderful poker players that are out there, the average we're not talking about our, our, you know, cream of the crop poker players, our top pros, but the people like you and I that, you know, have a dream. Maybe this is their year that they save the money to enter in a few of those events. The smaller price ones have everything out there. Now, all of a sudden, they decide to put this together a week or two before. And if you've got a wife and a family, are you going to risk going out there and, you know, maybe – some of those people have it. I mean, you know, I have a feeling that this is like you mentioned. I can't see this getting getting off the ground this year at yeah. all. I, I think it would be wise if they came out with a decision saying, you know, as much as they regret having to cancel it this year for the safety of all their poker players, employees, and everyone involved with, with you know, putting on this great. And we both know, you know, we've, we've done nothing but praise the the WSOPS, you know, how professional they are, even when they do have some glitches in the system, this is the time for them to stand up and say, listen, we'll just bring this thing, thing big back 
next year bigger and better and and you know everybody just stay safe out there uh if for people who want to uh i kind of misspoke there a little bit the suit at wsop.com uh super online championship spring series actually starts april 5th and started april 5th uh and will run through may 3rd so check that out at wsop.com over four million dollars in guarantees so there's still some stuff to do out there but for those of you that are just saying where do they stand what is the whole uh decision making process right now uh the question was in your opinion seth polanski is the full cancellation of the issues world series of poker possible and seth said as of today we're still planning to hold it we haven't heard anyone ever utter the words cancellation of the wsop to me or in any of the discussions that have been held so i don't see that as possible no well, you know, I, I guess that's the uh, company line. I, I'm sure he's towing right there, huh? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But that's the latest word, so we'll see what happens. Uh, again, uh, they don't seem to have indicated uh, the huge responsibility they have for, for people's health and lives. Well, let me tell you something. It's not only them. It's funny because as I was reaching out to some of our guests uh uh, earlier today, you know, just making sure that everybody is fine. I know that one of our guests mentioned that he received, he asked me, he goes, oh, are you guys opening soon? I said, well, no. I said, here in uh, Miami-Dade County, you know, we, we, you know, as of now, not, not that it can't be lifted, but as of now, everything is off till at least the 30th. You know, uh, we're in a lockdown quarantine type area where we're, we're shut down till the 30th. And he goes, wow, I received an email from the Seminoles and the Hard Rock stating that come and rejoin us for our grand reopening on the 13th. And I said, May 13th? And he said, no, April 13th. Oh, jeez. And I was like, are you sure? And he goes, yeah, I just got it this weekend. Now, you know, I'm, I'm thinking maybe that was just a generic email that was scheduled to go out on an email blast, uh, assuming that we'd be back by then. But, uh you haven't heard anything, I'm assuming. No, <laughs> I, I haven't, uh, but April 13th is the day after Easter, so that could have been written and maybe sent out an accident. But uh, I tell you what, it really wouldn't surprise me to see, uh, you know, Trump push this whole reopening the country. He wants so badly to get financially uh, solvent again in, in this country that there could be a very bad decision made by him and uh, could follow a very bad trend. Well, you know, yeah, I know that's what he's saying now publicly, but I am sure, I mean, he has spoken about the sports leagues, and obviously he's now targeted the NFL, thinking that they could get started. But, you know, when you're talking about all these major sporting events that have, all, you know, that have canceled, I'm thinking to myself, if they, if they had any inkling, you know, I'm sure the president would have reached out to some of those people. they they, they got to be friends of his, the networks people who run some of these plays, these tournaments and, and stuff that they wouldn't be canceling all of these things that, that are, you know, we're looking actually two months down the road, like the U S open and, and, and golf and, and all these, all these other sporting major sporting events that, that have already been canceled, not even postponed, just canceled out for this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, I it, mentioned that early on the show. Yeah. So it's just, uh, it, to me, I think like I made people have asked me and I've mentioned to them, I said, we'll be very lucky if by the end of June we are 
you know, getting back to some sort of semblance of normal, even though our new normal is going to be way different than it was before this. Yeah, exactly. Well, to be honest, uh, there's still lots of bad things that can happen here over the next week or two. So we'll wait and see. And uh, obviously the news coming out of Britain that the uh, the Boris Johnson has gone into ICU, that is really sobering uh, to hear. But uh, so far, uh, outside of maybe some ex-athletes and that sort of thing, we haven't seen a major impact to too many famous people uh, you know, dying. We've seen them uh, test positive, and uh, I think people write that off as saying, oh, well, it's not that bad for younger people. Yeah, I understand, but, you know, as we live down here, I mean, you know, the, the, the talk has always been that it's the very elderly, but I know that Broward, where you live, David, and where Joe lives and where we do our show, we had two, uh, two deputies die that were under the age of 40. Right, exactly. You know, yeah. and a lot, and a lot, we're getting a lot more cases where younger people are actually getting it. And I know that, you know, even though our numbers have grown over 40, 41, I believe was the latest count I saw in, in Miami Dade of passing away. You know, the, the first person to pass from it was, was a guy in tremendous shape who was, who was only 40 years old. So this is, this, you know, this thing doesn't care who you are, or, you know, when it hits you, it hits you. And, you know, you've got to pray to whatever God you pray to to, to to be able to survive this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's some other interesting stories out there. Obviously, uh, we had uh, Sandra on, so uh, no time to do it tonight. But hopefully next week we'll get into some things. There's been a book released uh, about the games in New York, the high-stakes uh, underground games in New York uh, that basically were the uh, basis for the Molly Bloom uh movie, Molly's Game. Uh, the book is called A Billion Dollar Hollywood Heist, and it really has some juicy stuff about some big stars like Leonardo DiCaprio and, and uh, Matt Affleck and uh, Matt Damon and uh, people like uh, Nick Cassavetes and some other prune. Uh, people that played in these huge games and some stories about how they basically put this game together, Toby Maguire being one of the leaders, to just be able to soak these fish in these games. And, uh, you know, it's kind of some behind the scenes that story that was really never told uh, in Molly's game. Well, when they say they were soaking these fishes, is because they were they, they were that bad a player or because they, well, were, doing it, something, uh, they were doing something underhanded? Uh, basically, uh, they had invited players that were just fish in from outside, not necessarily the big stars, but some of those guys all got together and got people in the game that were just not very good players. But we'll get into some more of that uh, a little later on. Uh, I also wanted to mention that uh, Katie Stone, who is a, uh, uh, a player who uh, I don't believe we've had her on the show, but she's good friends with a lot of people that we have talked to, uh, Jen Shahada and a few others like that. She created a channel called Discord Channel to help poker employees who are suffering financially because of the uh, shutdown of their rooms from the coronavirus pandemic. And uh, she is actually works with Borgata Poker as one of their ambassadors. And uh, she created this channel called 
Poker Peeps Affected by COVID-19. And basically, it gives a chance for people to mention things that they might need and some help that people can give them. And if a lot of you know deep-pocketed poker players uh, re- read some of these stories and try to help them, I think it uh, is a huge benefit for the whole poker world because we don't really think – you know, about the dealers who are losing out on all their tip money and some of the other people, the brushes and some of those people. But you know how many people in the industry are just getting killed by this thing. Yeah, David. I mean, it's unfortunate because we both do know, you know, that, you know, most of the people in the casino, uh, you know, the the large majority of their income comes from, from tips and everything else. And it's just very sad, Dave, because even though it's sad for everybody who's being affected by what's going on here economically, uh, the, your last thought is, is, is in a casino, you know, you'll feel bad that your local bartender, your local waitress, waiter at your favorite restaurant ain't working there. But for some reason, you know, last on your list is the casino and their employees there. And as we well know, being so many years in the business, these poor people are also suffering, so it's nice that someone is trying to do something for them. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll stay up to date with what's happening in the poker world. Obviously, no tournaments right now, no results. I'm sure you love that part of it, uh, that there's no uh, winners and losers to run down. <laughs> but uh, we'll get back to that in due course. Uh, check out uh, – all the places you get your podcasts and check out Poker Action Line. Sign up for them if you can. Subscribe to the show. Rate them. Uh, you got Apple Podcasts. Of course, you got SoundCloud. And then our uh, local people uh, that have been uh, supporting us since the very beginning, the Hold'em Radio Network, the Poker Fuse podcast page, and several others. You can always pick up the show. Uh, Sandra said she was familiar with the program. That made me feel good, and I hope a lot of people out there are listening to the show and enjoying it every week. She was a tremendous guest, and uh, we will obviously have her back on again. Joe, thank you for taking the time tonight to jump, come with us. Uh, Joe Costello, hey. thank you for doing all this stuff as well. Gentlemen, I miss seeing you guys in person, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But uh, until we can all be safe again, this is what we got to do. So you guys stay safe. And I uh, guess we'll talk again next week. Absolutely. Joe, thank you. And uh, Joe Costello, thank you as well. We'll talk to everybody on the next edition of Poker Action Live. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 